Good morning. I'm Phil Yakey, and uh, I'm pleased to be have been invited to bring one of our messages in our uh, Rockingham Christian Church series summer playlist. I'm not sure, but uh, I kind of have an idea that I was invited because I represent the oldies. After all, I'm from the era of the the Beatles and the Herman's Hermits and the Monkees and uh, and the Beach Boys and the Rolling Stones and groups like that. And my oldies experience has, has taught me that you tend to view things a little bit differently as you get older. Things we don't consider very important when we're young kind of become so the more we have opportunity to ponder them and to think them through. This past winter and spring, as I was reading once again devotionally through the New Testament, I came across a... Uh, a passage that I know that I've read a hundred times, but for some reason, this time it had more impact on me. And I just decided then, if I ever give an opportunity, if I ever get an opportunity uh, to preach a sermon that there's no particular given uh, topic, I'm going to develop this and work on it. So I'm hoping that uh, my study will be of value to you. The passage comes from uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. The Apostle Paul, one of the early followers of Jesus, writes, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received in Christ Jesus. Now, after I sort of rediscovered that, that passage, wouldn't you know it that I find that passage all over the New Testament, at least that's that uh, sentiment, if not those exact words. For instance, in uh, Philippians 1.27, Paul says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Colossians 1.10, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. 1 Thessalonians 2.11 and 12, for you know that we dealt with you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live, life, to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of your calling. And even Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Now, I just believe that if a phrase like that is repeated that often in the New Testament, that's something we ought to stand up and take notice of, don't you? I think probably the reason that this stood out to me personally upon uh, this particular reading of the New Testament is that, let's be honest, at this point in life, I'm closer to my end than I am to my beginning. And you become a little bit reflective as you get older. Has my life been worthwhile? Have, have I made any real difference in this world? Have I lived a worthy life. I'm just guessing now, but I'm guessing if you're tuned into this message this morning, that living a worthy life is something that's important to you as well. 
You don't want to just exist. You don't want to just take up space in this world. You don't want to just get by idly. You want your life to make a difference. You want to count. And so hopefully what I've gleaned through this study will be of value to you as well. Now, the, the question naturally arises, what does it mean to live a life worthy of the calling we have received in Christ? What does it look like to live a worthy life? That's what I want to explore with you this morning. But before, that, before we do that, I want to mention two very important caveats. Number one, be careful that you don't construe anything that I say this morning as indicating that living this worthy life earns you anything. It does not. We are saved by grace, period. The Apostle Paul says that in one of my favorite verses in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I don't know how more blunt and plain you could say it than this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourself. It is a gift of God so that no one can boast. So don't misunderstand anything I'm saying here as that it earns you anything to live this worthy life. But now having said that, I think it also needs to be said that there's much more beyond simply entering into Christ. Our Rockingham Christian Church mission statement implies that entering in by faith and baptism is just the beginning, inviting people to journey with Jesus. Christian experience is a lifelong journey. In my opinion, one of the biggest mistakes that uh, followers of Christ can make is, is feeling that once we are born again, that that's it, we're in, that's, that's all that the Lord wants. No, no, that's just a beginning, that's just the start. The truth is, if you, if you follow this through the New Testament and look at it in detail, we are saved from something in Christ Jesus, and we're also saved to something. Of course, Jesus saves us from sin and the consequent uh, judgment that that brings. But he also saves us to a life of holiness, we're saved from serving Satan and his kingdom, but we're also saved to the Lord's kingdom and lifelong service to him. As a matter of fact, the verse right after the ones I just read indicate that very thing in Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, this living the, the worthy life, the life worthy of Jesus' calling that I'm talking about, that's the heart. That's the heart of journeying with Jesus. Now, th this word worthy uh, that is at the heart of our, uh, our, our uh, text this morning is necessary to our understanding of what we're aiming for. In, in the original language, this word worthy has the connotation of equal weight. Think of a balance beam. You put a pound weight on one side, and then you measure out, let's say, a, a pound of flour on the other. And so you're looking for that balance. 
You're looking for that equal weight. You want to get your money's worth. That's the same as whether you're, whether you're buying flour or nails or sugar or gold or anything. You're looking for the worthy weight. Now, in a biblical sense, then, our aim should be to bring our conduct up to equal weight with our calling, our daily lives up to equal weight with our eternal lives. Again, our Lord has called us out of the world, out of a fleshly, self-centered existence, and he's called us into a holy, righteous life, one that is, one that is worthy of the calling that he has made for us. Somewhere early along in my, my Christian walk, uh, I, I came across a statement that, that has stuck with me for my entire life. It's not original with me. I don't even remember where I got it. But the statement says that the Christian life is becoming in principle what we, excuse me, becoming in practice what we are in principle. You see, in principle, in Christ, we're perfect. We're without sin. We are worthy to live with him forever in heaven. But in practice, we're not quite there yet, are we? We're not perfect. We're not sinless. As a matter of fact, we fight sin every day of our lives. So our goal then is to bring our daily practice into balance with that principle of being righteous in Christ. To become in practice what we are in principle. So we're back to our original question. What does it look like to live a life worthy of the calling we have received? Now, as you might expect, <clears throat> the writer Paul gives us some instructions in living this worthy life right, along the right alongside the passages where he uses the phrase in Scripture. We can't cover all of them this morning, <clears throat> but at least we can look at a couple of them and, and kind of get a handle on what it means to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received in Christ. The first passage that I want to look at <clears throat> is in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. The Apostle Paul is again writing, and he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of the Lord. Whew, that's a lot. But you know, the, the, the parts that stand out to me in that text the most <clears throat> are the two clauses, that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. I believe those two phrases are synonymous. If we aim to please our Lord in every way, we will live the, 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 the worthy life that he's called us. And, and if we strive to live that life, it will please our Lord in every way. So, number one, a worthy life is one that seeks to please our Lord in every way possible. 
<clears throat> I wonder on a, on a daily basis, how often do we ask ourselves, does this please my Lord? Is, is what I'm doing day in and day out pleasing to my Father in heaven? I think if we just get into the habit of asking ourselves that, it would form better what we choose to do day in and day out. It's, it's kind of that old, what would Jesus do phrase that has kind of gone out of, out of style now. Of course, Jesus is our, <clears throat> is our example in this respect. When he was here on this earth, he said things like, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. He always sought to please his father in heaven. And it did please his father. At one point in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, God himself boomed from heaven. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, we're never going to achieve that level uh, of pleasing our heavenly father that Jesus did because he, he's perfect. But it will add weight to our side of the scale if we make it our goal. What pleases my Lord? What would he like me to do with my time? In order to please our Lord, obviously it's necessary to know what pleases him. Twice in this passage, you notice that, that Paul brings up growing in the knowledge of God and being filled with the knowledge of his will. See, the only way we can know what pleases God is to continually fill ourselves with the knowledge of him and his will. Ben's just uh, completed a series of messages, feed yourself. That's so appropriate because we can't know what pleases our Lord unless we dig into his word and study and know what pleases our Lord. Listen, folks, there are just a lot of ideas floating around in our culture today that are being passed off as right and correct and true that are diametrically opposed to the Lord's word and to the Lord's will. They seem logical. They seem reasonable to the human mind. But man is not the measure of what is right and what is true. Only the Lord is. A worthy life is one filled with knowing what pleases our Lord and then living that out in daily life. Let's look at a second passage. Let's go back to the, <clears throat> the original one that I uh, mentioned earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and is through all. You notice that the apostle there, the, the words, the context around his, his idea of uh, living a worldly life have to do with getting along with people, specifically getting along with Christian people. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, 
<clears throat> echoes that same idea. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to you or, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. A worthy life, friends, is one that always works toward and aspires to Christian unity. Now, there are many Christian, there, there are many New Testament passages <clears throat> discussing how we should interact with those outside of Christ. Uh, that's not what we're talking about here. That's another lesson. But here, the focus is on our interaction with fellow believers. And this is something that Jesus was very, very concerned about. Uh, an aspect of, 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 of living a worthy life that he was very much into. Because we are not just called into Christ, we're also called into his church, his body. New Testament knows nothing of uh, Oftentimes what you find in people is a, a lone ranger type of Christianity. Just Jesus and me, just Jesus and me, that's all I need. It's always framed within the context of body life. Jesus and me and his church. Discipleship lived out in community. That's why another of our core values here at Rockingham Christian Church is relational journeying together being with people in the journey in the journey unity among jesus followers was something that was so important to him that on the night before he went to the cross he prayed for that specifically you can read about it in john chapter 17 to, to kind of paraphrase what he said father make them who believe in me one just as you and I are one, so that the world will understand that you sent me. I, I think Jesus is aiming for what your mother was aiming at when she said, kids, I just want you to get along. Don't fight among yourselves. Just get along. In the big picture, unity among Christians may not seem like such a big deal like such a pivotal element of living a worthy life, but it is. Nothing draws people to the Lord more than does love and respect among his followers. And conversely, nothing does more damage to the image and mission of the church on earth than infighting among believers. You know, when you stop and think about it, we are going to live with Jesus and with one another forever in heaven. So it just makes sense that we begin now to learn to love one another, to get along, and to live this kind of worthy life out in community. I think a prime application of this unity in action will be the challenge of starting back together in public worship once this uh, pandemic hiatus is over. And I know some folks may feel, well, come on, let's, let's hit it. Let's get back together. Let's do it now. 
And then there are going to be others that are going to say, whoa, whoa, let's, let's, let's wait a little bit. Let's hold back. Let's slow down. I'm not on board with this. Can, can we just agree that whatever the leadership of our church decides, it won't be a 100% perfect fit for everybody's situation? Friends, this, this is precisely the season that calls for humility, as Paul says here. It's not all about me. It's, it's not my preference that is in view here. Patience. Don't, don't have to necessarily have my own will. Bearing with one another in love. I'm going to set aside my personal preferences for the good of the, the whole body. Making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Why is that so important? It's important because he says there is only one body, and it's us. There is only one spirit, and we're all partakers of that one spirit. There is only one hope of salvation in Christ Jesus. There is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. And if we're not unified in him, we're not unified at all. If we don't come together around that oneness, then we have nothing. A worthy life is one that aspires and works toward the unity of all true believers, as much as it depends upon us personally. We've been considering here this morning <clears throat> the writings of the Apostle Paul. And he, he has the most probably to say about this living a worthy life. But the Apostle Peter had something to say about it as well. And I like in his second letter how he addresses this tension between God's grace and Christian responsibility. For instance, in 2 in Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and following, he says, His divine power has given us, see there's, there's the grace part, His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises. So, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That's the grace part. Twice there he says, God's given us all. He's given us everything we need for a life. Still, he follows up in verses 5, five through 8 with many of the same elements that the Apostle Paul pointed out as characteristics of living a life worthy of the Lord. For this very reason, he says, make every effort. That's how he begins his list. What he's saying is, what I'm about to tell you represents the balance in your life, the conduct side of the scale, with the calling that I've just described. Everything that the Lord has given us, now, you make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control 
and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're after, a balance in your life. Our Lord has poured out grace upon us that we can never repay. Our side of the scale is that we make every effort to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. We invite you now to enter into this time of communion. And I believe with all of my heart that communion is one of those things that would be pleasing to our Lord. You remember on the night that he uh, had his last supper with his disciples, he said, take these elements, bread that represents my body, wine that represents my blood, eat them in remembrance of me. When we worship the Lord and when we bring these things together, it is pleasing to him. Generally speaking, we do this in community. We do this in unity as, as, a, as a body. We're not able to do that just now, but hopefully we will in the very near future. So we invite you to take the elements and unified from wherever we are, take them in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord. That, I believe, is a life worthy of the calling we've received in Christ Jesus. Thank you.